1: Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, if you've got ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, again, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet us, use the Twitter handle at SFDiocese. That's S-F as in Sioux Falls D-I-O-C-E-S-E With hashtag Ignition And we will get back to you um, Or take your ideas for future episodes Because we always love listener feedback um, However you want to give it to us Uh, Last week On last week's episode Episode 327 of Ignition um, I uh, had a guest co-host By the name of Carl Olson Who was speaking about his favorite topic Which is himself Uh, And he is back (laughs) I said that because he's he's back with us again this week. Uh, If you listened to last week's episode, I mentioned briefly at the end that where we talked last week about uh, Carl's own conversion story. This week, we're going to sort of step back from that uh, and, and talk about the idea of conversion in general. Um, as I teased at the end of, of last week's episode, there's a sense in which we're all called to be converts, ongoing conversion. But then oftentimes, people like Carl, uh, who, who was raised, uh, in his case, as a fundamentalist or evangelical Protestant, uh, became Catholic 20 years ago, uh, he will often, people like himself will often refer to themselves as converts. And yet there's there's some question about that because uh, some people have challenged that usage of, of uh, converts. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. What exactly does it mean to be a convert? Maybe the dis- different senses of conversion, um, including the sense in which we are all called to, uh, to that deeper ongoing conversion, ever turning more towards Jesus Christ. So Carl, how do you want to get into actually you know what let me back up because last week um i i didn't let you plug yourself and and talk about uh t- talk about how you make money and all sorts. so uh i've mentioned uh just here at the outset of today's uh episode i mentioned last week a couple times that you're an author uh what what books have you written and don't count the card the coloring books i, I mean the real books uh,
0: yeah the coloring books that's right um while you are talking about we talked about myself last time because it's uh, one thing I know. It might be the only thing I know. Actually. Uh, <laughs> um, well, my first book was titled "Will Catholics Be Left Behind?" and that's a full-blown Catholic uh, refutation, analysis, critique of premillennial dispensationalism or the belief in the rapture. And that was written in response to the huge "left behind" movement that was just such a craze uh, twenty-some right. years ago. Actually, it was a big craze while. My wife and I haven't the to church. In fact, during remember during an RCIA, having people saying, "Well, I'm loving these books; they're so great." And <laughs> I'm thinking, uh, "Yeah, no. they're not only is the theology horrible, but the writing is so dreadful." Um, and so that book was a, a, in a sense, even though I didn't really talk in there about my conversion, there it was it a was sense in which it was kind of testimonial because that really, the, to me, that was a huge thing to get through in becoming Catholic. Was working through this belief system. Uh, and it's a full-blown belief system. And then the second book I wrote was actually co-authored with Santa Measel titled The Da Vinci Hoax. And it yep. was a refutation of The Da Vinci Code. You know, it's kind of funny. I never planned to write you know, two books in a row refuting books of fiction. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and um, But, of course, The Da Vinci Code was taken seriously by a lot of people. A lot of people forget this. But initially, when it first came out and it was so huge, all the you know, New York Times, Washington Post, all these different outlets for praising the elementary code by Dan Brown as being so historically accurate and revelatory, and had such great information about the Church and Jesus and Mary Magdalene, and it's like, oh, you've got to be kidding. And so, of course, we wrote that book. Um, and then more recently, I wrote a book uh, came out last year called Jesus Really Rise from the Dead, which is kind of a Q&A book on the resurrection that looks at a lot of different aspects of the resurrection and arguments against it and for it. And the evidence for it, and so forth. And then I co-edited and contributed to a book called a uh, title called "To Be the Children of God: Catholic Theology of Human Deification," which, of course, you, Dr. Birdwall, contributed to chapter on this theme of deification around the Reformation era and the, and the Catholic Reformation era. And uh, really proud of that book. I, thought, I think it's really a, kind of a definitive. Book on that topic in terms of historical theology. And uh, the feedback on it has been, has been great. Um, that was kind of a labor of love that took Father David McConey and myself and the various authors. It uh, took about five or six years to come to fruition. But um, And really, that book ties in nicely with the whole aspect of conversion because for me, understanding the Catholic notion of salvation, what the church actually teaches about salvation, was really key in becoming Catholic and embracing. Catholic faith and letting myself be transformed, you know, mm. in, in a, a real way as far as how I understood what I meant to be to be saved, uh, which is obviously a very significant issue when it comes to you know Catholic Protestant relations.
1: Absolutely. We, um, if if you're interested in in learning more about those books, of course, of course, you should buy them and read them, especially especially that deification novel. It's a particularly <laughs> fine book. Um, uh, I don't get additional... Carl might get additional royalties, I don't know, but I don't if you, if you buy it at this point. But the other thing I want to say, Carl, yeah. um, you were here... Boy, it was back in 2008, or six. Two 2006, over 10 years ago uh, that you were here, and and um, you gave a presentation on the Da Vinci hoax, your book about the Da Vinci Code, refuting it, um, and, and we have that online through the feed, actually, for Ignition. Um, so listeners can find that there. Then... Um, 10 years ago, February of 7, um, episodes 12 and 13 of Ignition. You and I did a two-part interview on uh, atheism. Um, I totally forgot about those two episodes. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, I just want to Point people if they want to keep uh, listen, hearing more from you. Episode 32, you and I talked about a couple new, what we're at the time, new books from Pope Benedict. Um, episode 82, we talked about Advent and the apocalypse, Jesus' the second coming. I think we talked about the... Um, the The rapture there, the topic of, of your first book. Uh, but then yeah, last last summer, we talked about the deification text, episode 267, uh, if anybody's keeping score, uh, we talked about that. And then in episode 276, we talked about the resurrection book. So you've been out of ignition quite a few times, Carl.
0: Well, I, I appreciate it. I, I don't know what that says about your, your judgment, but... Um... <laughs> It's always fun. It's nice, always yeah, fun. and uh, you know, trying to get some other books done, so maybe we'll
1: keep it going. There we go. So today, again, we're going to continue, uh, but in a broader way, talking about this idea of conversion. Again, last week we talked about Carl's own conversion. Today we'll talk about what is conversion, uh, in, just in a broad way. So again, how how do you want to how do you want to get into this topic? I know you've written about it uh, at least one particular angle um, recently. Where do you, where do you want to get started?
0: Well, I would, I want to start with a, a great quote, a fabulous section from the Catechism, uh, paragraphs 1427 and 1428. The Catechism has this really wonderful section on conversion. Now, it talks about conversion in terms of confession, uh, but also beyond that, it says, first of all, that Jesus calls to conversion, and it says that baptism is the principal place for the first and fundamental conversion, uh, which is very, on one hand, that should be kind of a, oh yeah, of course, statement. But I think also people say, oh, wait a second. Um, if you're a if you're a baby and you're being baptized, I mean, how, how are you converted? It's like, well, then we go back to this belief that if we truly are infused with the power of the Holy Spirit, we truly are filled with the divine life of God, and even though the, the young baby cannot cognitively grasp that is happening, that baby is, in fact, a child of God. And so then becomes this lifelong process, and then the Catechism has this really great section that says, Christ's call to conversion continues to resound in the lives of Christians. This second conversion is an uninterrupted task for the whole church. Hmm. And to me, this really you know, uh, hopefully gets people to see conversion maybe a little bit differently instead of just a one-time event. Now, conversion does happen at a specific time and place. I mean, we can... Even Catholics, those who have been baptized as a, as a baby, as a Catholic, I, I hope, can look back at moments in their life where they say, yes, that was a conversion. That is a time of... In, biblically speaking, we call metanoia, where there's this this turning this change, this transformation of how we view things, how we see things, how we actually are in our disposition towards God, and being receptive to the grace that He offers, being more united uh, to the person of Jesus Christ. Um, and this can happen uh, in, in a very non-dramatic, subtle way, right. just through things like you know, reading Scripture, receiving Eucharist, going to confession on a regular basis. It can also be more traumatic, of course. I mean, some people... Traumatic you know, you or dramatic? Have... <laughs> dramatic. Okay. Um, and uh, although, you know, I think for sometimes for, for the uh, non-Catholic friends or family members of, uh, of those who convert, it can be traumatic. Yeah. But um, Or for Austin or uh, it's kind of a... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you have to edit that out now. But, um, well, there was, you know, there was some, some comments and things recently written the last few weeks uh, about converse, certain converts having a, a neuroses and uh, I, I wrote a piece, National Catholic Register, responding to that. And this is what I, you know, the thing I focused on was that we have to change how we, we look at conversion. Um, instead of it being some kind of like, well, I was in this camp— and now I'm in this camp. You know, it's like this tribal warfare, right? Right. I, I think we have to see conversion inside the reality of the Church. The Church is many things. It's the body of Christ, it's the people of God, it's the household of God, it is the communio in which we uh, are called to enter in order to have eternal beatitude with God. It is the seed of the kingdom, and of course when time culminates at the eschaton, The church will no longer be needed because the kingdom we fully realized so all of us are being called every single human person is related in some way to the catholic church and every single person is being called by god to become a member of his church and that we know that as paul told timothy in his, his first epistle god desires that all men be saved We're all attracted to and called towards that union, even if we don't maybe intellectually recognize it, even if we fight against it. And so when I, for instance, being first a fundamentalist and an evangelical, eventually became Catholic, I look back at that as a culmination of a lifelong process where I was being called from the beginning to enter into the Catholic Church. And that the things that my parents taught me about loving God and reading Scripture and knowing Christ and living a certain way, uh, the things that I learned in Bible college uh, that built on that and, and flushed out some of my understanding. all of that gets, in a certain sense, culminates and is fulfilled by becoming Catholic. But then, after becoming Catholic, it doesn't stop. You know, I, Chesterton, I think, has the best stuff on this, where he writes about how the convert goes through these stages where, first, there's the, the, the saying, I, there's no way I'm going to become Catholic. And then it's kind of this excitement of, You're discovering stuff, but you're kind of uh, freaked out. Right. And then, he says, then the hardest part is you enter the church, and the most difficult thing is then you have to actually live the Catholic (laughs)
1: faith, Right.
0: And that's where conversion really, really, the rubber really hits the road because um, then it's day in and day out. It's in your daily life. It's not, you know, I think some of the best... So, the best advice I ever got was from Father Mitch Pacwa, who was my spiritual director for a while when I was uh, in my master's program. And Father Pacwa said to me several times that Carl, you know don't ever become a celebrity Catholic conger.
1: Mm.
0: You know and he said, "Yeah, he said, you're going to have opportunities to talk about it. That's great. You' are gonna have opportunities to share and to even you know perhaps uh, spend your life." You know, doing these things, writing books and stuff. He said, but don't ever become a celebrity Catholic convert. And his point was, I think, be a Catholic. Be a Catholic. And that means be holy and pursue what is the ultimate goal of being a Catholic, which is to be a saint. That is, perfectly transformed and made holy by the triune god and
1: and, and that's, that's the um that's the the sense of a second conversion that the Catholic the catechism speaks about right the the, the sense of conversion that we're all called to whatever uh, whatever our parents' faith was, whatever church we were, quote-unquote, baptized into, um, that's that sense in which whether we're, we became Catholic at our baptism or whether we became uh, when we were a baby or whether we became Catholic when we were received into the full communion in the Catholic Church in our 20s, 30s, or 70s, That's that 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 latter thing that you're speaking to is what that ongoing conversion is, right? Exactly,
0: and I think part of the problem is we sometimes— don't uh, I, I think we don't appreciate well enough the intimate relationship between Jesus Christ and His Bride, the Church. Right. This is all about and the entering the Church is all about uh, becoming Christ-like, becoming united to Him, and the goal of that is to ultimately enter into perfect communion with the Father. Uh, obviously, right here and now, but for all of eternity. And so I think sometimes the Trinitarian nature of the Church is overlooked or downplayed or not. Or, or you know, we give lip service to it, but we don't see it as this actual dynamic thing that's really happening. Um, in fact, in this piece I wrote from the National Catholic Register, I, I wrote that conversion, I described it as a dynamic relational reality, not a calculated mathematical matrix. mm um, it's deeply relational and familial, right? Um, so, for example, in the past, when I've given, I've taught a class for the Archdiocese of Portland on ecclesiology, on the nature and mission of the church. Um, it's a five-day course, three hours a day, it's 15 hours. And it's, it's really funny, at the end of this course, a lady comes up to me, one of the students, she says, you know, I really enjoy the course. She goes, I was so thrown at first. She goes, for the first three days, you didn't even mention the Pope. Hmm. <laughs> Just then on the day four, you finally talked about the Pope and the hierarchy, because what I start out with, the first thing I start out with in my course on ecclesiology, and of course these courses can take different forms, I'm not saying this is the only way to teach it, but it starts out with creation and the nature of God. Who is God? When we talk about God as Trinity, what does that mean? Um, the mystery of the Trinity, the, you know it's a central mystery of our faith. Uh, The Incarnation is uh, the great mystery of the faith. We talk about that. And then, as we go through, we finally get to the point where we say, okay, this is why we have a hierarchy. This is why we have the Petrine office. This is why we have apostolic succession. So that this reality, which is established by God for our salvation, can be protected and guided and so forth. Um, And so conversion fits into that bigger picture. uh, But I think sometimes we see it too much in terms of... Structure, Structures and, again, kind of a, a type of tribalism. Um, and that's not to downplay, that, you know, say, the doctrinal differences between Catholics and certain Protestant groups. Not at all. Uh, but it's to say that we shouldn't look at people as, as chess pieces, but as relational beings who are made to have full communion with God, and that communion is found in and through the Catholic Church.
1: You're listening to Ignition, a broadcast for the New Evangelization. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald, your host, and Carl Olson and I are talking today about um, what conversion is, what it isn't, and, and maybe, or maybe better, the different senses of the term. If you got questions about today's episode, email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Um, so Carl... Um, there's been a little, and we're touching on this a bit or we have touched on it a bit. There's been a little bit of controversy lately over, um, quote unquote converts. And I even used quotes there. Um, uh, those who were Protestant at one point and then became Catholic like yourself, um, and you're just sort of touching on a little bit the the sense in which um, maybe that's not, that isn't always the best usage of the term. I um, know anyway, you and I have talked uh, off off the air before that uh, even for yourself, you don't always, or maybe there's a, maybe a, a, a bit of a change for you in a sense or growth, um, applying to yourself the language of a convert, uh, maybe in a different way. Can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, it's this is an interesting topic. I think it's it's really hard because on one I'm of two minds on this. Um, on one hand, uh, I of course refer to myself as a convert and talk about my conversion, and part of that is because for me personally, leaving behind fundamentalism really did involve a, a radical transformation of how I viewed, things, understood certain things. Um, and so certainly there was a conversion going on there, but. Conversion, technically speaking, I think within a tradition, I think it's accurate to say is really those who ha- are not baptized, right? Those right. who are not Christian at all, who then say, okay, I'm going to become baptized, I'm going to enter into a Catholic church. Right. That, you know, technically speaking, is, is the more accurate term of the word convert. I think it was Scott Hahn, who many, many years ago, Scott Hahn said something like, um, you know, in becoming Catholic, he, he rejected Fundamentalism, and he fulfilled evangelicalism, mm. and he was saying that generally. And I, but I understand what he's saying. I think there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, there's uh, when you're raised to believe, like I was, like we talked about last episode, to believe that the Catholic Church is the whore of Babylon, and that Catholics are going to hell, and that Catholics worship Mary, and you know, all that stuff. Um, it does take a radical change, um, and so we talk in general terms about being a convert, and I'm not sure. Another way that we can really talk about it without, you know, having to use kind of more bloviated right. ways of expressing it, you know. <laughs> um, but I think it's a good point to make, uh, right? But I think it also helps to situate us again in that in that kind of that spectrum. Uh, in this this piece, I mentioned in the National Catholic Register.
1: Um, What's the title of it, Carl? People uh, want to. Yes, titled
0: uh, "Our Catholic Converts Too Conservative Talkative." Uh, and neurotic. Well,
1: in some cases, yeah. yes. I mean, clearly.
0: It's, yeah, certainly. <laughs> uh, and that came out on August 30th. That's on the com site. Um, but there's kind of a spectrum. But one thing I, I point out in there is Lumen Gentium, Vatican II's constitution on the church, which is one of my, it's my favorite Vatican II document. Um, it talks about the fact that all men, again, all men are related to the Catholic Church in some way. Not members of it, but related to it. Again, why? Because they're all called to enter into it, and because God offers His grace to every single person, right. even in, you know, mostly in ways that we're never even aware of. <laughs> and we're all called to that, that communion. So I think that is really important to understand that nature of church, uh, being being that way. Now, if we talk about real conversion, I'm not going to use her name, but uh, I have a, a good friend um a little bit younger than myself, she was raised atheist, and um, she married a, a last Catholic. She was also a good friend, and early on in the marriage, he began to come back to the church, and he's, he finally decided he was really going to become serious about being Catholic again. And she was really upset about this; she wanted nothing to do with it. Her parents were really, really staunchly kind of either agnostic or atheist. She saw herself as an atheist. Believe that religion, all religion was nonsense, basically. And there was increasing tension within the marriage. And <laughs> the full story, I one day I wanted to be able to tell the story on EWTN or something because it's really amazing. She, he actually went out and he buys a big crucifix and he puts it on the living room wall while she's not at home. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and she comes home and she sees it. And, and remember her telling remember her telling me the story. Uh, she said she walked in and she saw it. And she you know, said, you know, logically, based on everything that was going on leading up to that, I should have, you know, started screaming and yelling and ripped it off the wall and I should have been upset. And she said, I stared at that and then I fell on my face and I just wept. Wow. And that was it. She became a Catholic. So, and this is a really super smart lady you know, very, very, very smart people. I mean, they both have doctorates, et cetera. But for her, and I think for all of us, it's not about just an intellectual ascent. Right? right. It is about that encounter. And I love that story because she has that encounter, and it just, she finally just surrenders, right, and collapses. and um, So that is more dramatic. Uh, but I think that each of us, if we're honest, we have those moments, even if they're not as outward, or whatever, and I think that's what it really is. You know, Benedict XVI, Francis, John Paul II, they talk about having that transformative encounter with Christ, and that's what conversion is. So every time that we, I mean, every day, really, but really, especially when we receive Eucharist, when we go to confession, when we spend time in prayer, those are moments of conversion, because there is no static place in the Christian life. We're, We're never static, right?
1: Yeah, we're either, either we're drawing closer to him or we're moving farther away. The analogy I use is exactly our relationship with God. We're we're moving up, uh, down elevator, and and you got to move because otherwise you're going down.
0: So, yeah. There's no like, oh, I'm just going to rest here on this plateau. No, there is no plateau. Right. Um, you know, to think of Dante's you know mountain and all that, but I think that's really true. And I think it's true if we think about the relational reality. You know, for those who are married, for example, are right. no static. There's no static place in a, in a marriage. Yep. Um, if you're not growing in your marriage, your marriage is going backwards, right. you know, so to speak. Um, and the same thing, of course, in the spiritual life. Um, if we're not growing closer to Christ, we're moving away from Christ. Um, so at the heart of it, the church, conversion, all of this is deeply relational. And, I, and so this, to me, Chris, is one of the great ironies. I was raised as a fundamentalist and later as an evangelical, and of course I believe in having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I did have that, absolutely. I was baptized when I was young, um, and I certainly had my ups and downs, I mean I certainly had times where I, had, I wanted nothing to do with it, you know, and I, I just wanted to do my own thing, but um, I would talk constantly about how this personal relationship with Christ, and I always thought that Catholics were all about ritual and jumping through hoops and following rules, and it's like, no, the, it's kind of the opposite. <laughs> If we really understand what the inner heart of the Catholic faith is, it is about having that deep personal relationship, and then we can begin to really understand why we have rules and why we have limits, because they protect and guide that relationship. And that's true of any relationship, of course. It's true of marriage. I mean, that's why you know, uh, you and I, as married guys, we don't say to our wives, "Oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go have dinner with my this," you know, this. Woman, I just met. She seems around. We're going to talk about this. i like, no, you don't do that stuff. Um, <laughs> you, have, you you have limits and rules because you want to protect what is most meaningful to you in a relationship that is that's at the center of your life. So um, that is really vital, I think, for, for Catholics to understand in terms of this conversion, of the, the second conversion, the catechism talks about.
1: Yeah. So so uh, just to. to start to kind of wrap up here so we are all called no again no matter where we were uh, what we were when we were baptized we're all called to grow ever closer to jesus christ in and through his body which is the church um in an ever deeper way because through him by the power of the holy spirit we um, come ever closer to our heavenly father thanks carl for being on last week and this week it's been a joy to to speak with you on ignition thanks I appreciate it. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. You can Again, you can email us, ignition, at sfcatholic.org, or tweet us, at SFDiocese, with the hashtag Ignition, with any questions about today's episodes or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty may God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org.